Hi, thank you for joining me. This is John Newby, John 2028 Apologetics. In today's video, we're going to go over some scripture, step away from politics for a second. If you would, open your Bible or Bible apps to Acts 17, verse 16. Now, there's so much here that we're going to unpack in this few verses that can really answer a lot of questions. And what makes this so great and interesting is that this is after the book of Acts written by Luke and this is after the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Paraclete has came as Christ said he would and the Holy Spirit has uh, baptized people with fire and tongues and the church is spreading and this is after Paul's conversion. Okay, so this is a key moment in Christian history because it is after every after the Holy Spirit comes. So this is basically the present church and its nature in that regards. You know, like the old school church, the uh, the synagogues in the Old Testament where they uh, did um, sacrifices and thing. Now Christ became the sacrifice. Now this is post. Crisis, sacrifice, burial, and resurrection. So this is direction of the new church, right? You understand what I'm saying? All right, so I'm going to be reading Acts 17, verse 16. And we'll go a couple verses down. And this is from the NASB version. All right, and it reads as follows. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the um, Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idol babbler wish to say? Others, he seemed to be proclaiming a strange deities. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to Aerophagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is and what, what you, who you are proclaiming. Alright, real quick. Sorry, again, whenever you listen to my podcast and my phone makes a weird noise, it's a text message or something. So just try to disregard it, okay? Sorry about that. Alright. So the first verse... 16 so Paul so now while Paul was waiting for them who was he waiting for he was right if you read up in verse 15 he was waiting for um, Timothy to come as soon as possible okay all right then we read now here's where it gets cool so he's waiting on Timothy and then we read his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols okay all right so now imagine this he's in Athens and Athens is not a Christian uh, city this is obviously just when the uh, the messianic movement was spreading and this whole city is full of idols if you ever look at this historically they had giant areas where like a um, a Times square if you will alright and people had all kinds of idols everywhere Sex idols, um, uh, idols about you know nature and and all kinds of different things. I mean, just 
thousands and thousands of statues of all these false gods that people worshipped. So Paul is walking amongst all these false idols and it's getting under his skin. I think that's fair to say. It says his spirit was being provoked within him <laughs> as he was observing the city full of idols. Alright, now has this ever happened to y'all? I know it's happened to me. It happens to me almost every day, if not every day. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because I want you to understand that when something like this gets underneath your skin, when you see, um, when you hear a satanic song, when you hear people say God's name in vain, when um, sex and drugs are, are showcased all over TV, or whenever you're at work and someone's blaspheming our Lord or they're not, you know, they're saying something that would be against Scripture. Something of that nature, okay? Whenever you see Muslims praying to the demon Allah, the false god Allah, whenever you see anything like that, if it gets underneath your skin and it bothers you, that's biblical, that is a biblical feeling. That is the Holy Spirit. Now, this says Paul's spirit was being enticed. That's talking about you know his uh, his nature, his mood, his his uh, his personality. Because Paul was a master student. Let's don't forget that he knew the scriptures in and out. And when we read the scripture, we know that he knew Greek and Hebrew, obviously. So he's a master student, knew the Greek Septuagint, in and out, quotes it, left and right. So Paul is a educated um, alpha male. All right. And right here we see his spirit being provoked. So when you get that feeling, y'all, that's a, that's a natural thing that you're going to have when you love the Lord. And it drives me up the wall. Now, obviously, as we read through the scriptures, it tells us to handle these things with grace and kindness and love and compassion and all that. So that provokingness, because you want to proclaim who the Lord is, is a natural thing. Whenever you have the Lord in your heart, it's how you handle it. Don't let your flesh, don't let your flesh be in control of your passion for God. So have that passion, have that, uh, you know, that, that drive, that want to proclaim the Lord, but just do it in control. Do it in a, uh, in a nature where you show Christ, okay? And it's hard. And sometimes I have a bad temper and, then, you know, y'all pray for me on that. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to hold each other accountable and iron sharpens iron. All right? So then it says, so he was reasoning in the synagogues with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. All right, so so he's speaking to his, um, his old tribe, if you want to call it that, his old religion, the Jews, because he's no longer a Jew. He's a Messianic Jew. He believes in uh, the Messiah. And the God-fearing Gentiles. So he was speaking to his brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters, 
Gentiles, so non-ethnic Jews who now worship the Messiah, which is me. And the synagogue. Now, did you catch that? So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and the marketplace every day. Alright, did you catch that? A lot of people today want to put a certain day, Saturday or Sunday, as a day of worship. Yes, the old uh, school, Old Testament, Sabbath day was Saturday. Today, predominantly Christians have the Sabbath or, or the day of worship on Sunday. And Paul's saying it's every day. Paul literally engaged with Jews and Gentiles in the synagogues and the marketplace every day. So that means that they were up and running every day. Now notice that in the next verse, it says that, and also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. So Paul is talking to everyone. So this spirit that riled him up, his spirit that riled him up, caused him to talk to all people followers his old tribe or religion and philosophers of every sort and it even quotes what the philosophers were saying it's interesting that Luke gives us what the philosophers were saying to uh, Paul that's an interesting perspective isn't it I can go on a tangent on that, but we're going to try to stay focused. Some were saying, and this is what the philosophers were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? So he's a fool. Others, he seems, quote, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. Oh, so Paul did. At the beginning of the church. So Christ was viewed as deity. Oh. That's interesting. So you mean to tell me that Luke. Um, gave us. Wrote down. In uh, the book of Acts. That Paul was talking about Jesus as deity. And the philosophers and everyone else. Knew it. And they quote. And he's quoting them as a, as a form of sarcasm. Did you catch that? Others, quote, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. Because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Do you think that these philosophers thought that Yahweh of the Old Testament was strange? No. You don't think they knew about the uh, Yahweh of the Old Testament, Jehovah of the Old Testament, of course they did. It even mentions Jews in this group or in the group of everyone that Paul's talking to. Don't you also find it interesting that once you do some historical diving on the religion, there was, they think that um, God's Son, the incarnate, coming down from heaven and dying rising again in bodily form is strange they find that strange but they don't find you know the the uh, 
the gods with a hundred heads and a bunch of arms and large penises and all these different satanic practices and demonic practices. They didn't find those strange, but they found the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to be silly. That's because Paul was probably, I'm using deductive reasoning here, Paul was probably preaching repentance and sin. And that is definitely foreign to everyone else, right? I mean, it does say because he was preaching Jesus, so Jesus is a subject that that conforms to deity and the resurrection. And what does Paul teach about the resurrection? Well, we can read it in all of his other writings, and all of his epistles and everything else. The resurrection is, I mean, he even says that, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, that without the resurrection, our, our faith is in vain. So the resurrection is everything. Okay, verse nineteen, and they took him, and brought him to the and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, "May we know what his or what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming?" So now they're interested and they want to know. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. And then verse 21. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So it also could be curiosity, right? Alright, verse 22. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. Alright, so he's speaking to the entirety of the group. You're very religious. So what he's meaning is, is that there's hundreds and hundreds of maybe thousands of different idols. Everyone here has a form of faith, right? For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, that, that common ground, that uh, Times Square, if you want to call it that, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, so he's saying one of the idols he passed that someone worships says to an unknown God. So Paul, being smart and understanding scripture, especially the Old Testament, the Torah and Tanakh, he took this as an opportunity. What does he say? Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. So you're worshiping something that you don't even know what it is. The God who made the world and all things in it since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needs anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breathes and all uh, gives life and breath in all things. So Paul's making fun of their silly idols. How could y'all worship? Something that needs to be made by your hands. God is greater than anything you can ever construct with your hands. Look, you're even worshiping things to an unknown God. You're all fools. And you were trying to call me fool earlier. What does this babbler have to say? So Paul is... Is uh, checkmating them in their logic. Right? And he made... From one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. So God 
made all of life, not man made an idol, God made man. That, that means the God I worship is greater than the God that you worship. And he has put everything in motion for man to find him. That they would seek God. If perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said. For we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought to not think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, and imagine formed by the art and thought of man. So, don't put your own interpretation. You trying to make some idol because and make it more splendid, splendor with gold and jewelry and stones and and diamonds. Like none of that matters because nothing is as beautiful as the resurrection of Christ, the bloody cross therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance God is now declaring to men that all people or hold on what would you catch that therefore having overlooked the time of ignorance God is now so God's willing to let all that go he's overlooking the time God's willing to overlook all the past ignorance of man because now his son his eternal son is resurrected Declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And we know that Christ became flesh, the Word became flesh in John 1. 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. Okay. And when we go to verse 1 or John 1:14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory glory as the only begotten from the father full of grace and truth. I just felt like sharing this uh with you. Book of Acts is beautiful. It's arguably my favorite book. Luke is probably my favorite author. Paul's probably my favorite person besides Christ, obviously. Um, but uh, I like the way Luke writes. I like the way, you know, he's a doctor, a historian, and I like reading that type of stuff. Um, a physician, excuse me. So, but I, I think it's interesting that Paul literally, or excuse me, Luke points out certain things and arguments that people were using at Paul for certain points and reasons. And when you unpack all this, there's just so much into just a few verses. Now, I just wanted to share this with you as you're reading. I know sometimes when we read, or every time when we read, especially me, we'll just read something and we'll just um, not think it's really of any type of significance or relevance. But when you pause and you really look at it and read it slowly and intuitively and you unpack the verse... You see that every verse is really just a thousand rabbit trails that run off the different meanings and things. God's word is deep and rich. Just wanted to share this with you. Christmas is right around the corner. We'll make a couple more podcasts before then, God willing. God bless you in Jesus' name.